Episode, I revealed that uh, it's episode 120. This is episode 123. Go back and listen to 116, then 120, and now listen to 123. I'm just gonna say that that one time right now because the rest of this is gonna oh, move in a consecutive order as to the last episode starting now. So, <laughs> on the last episode, on 120, I told you that I'm going to start doing Let's Plays. We're going to start playing horror mm-hmm. games. We're going to start posting them on the YouTube. I get a comment on, like, Wednesday, last week. And, and this was... So this came out, what, yesterday? Publicly, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Episode 120 came out yesterday. Um, that that won't create a timeline for anyone, or if anything, it'll just confuse you all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you and I are the only ones that care about that I at all. I care about that to be on the same page with one another at this moment. So on, like, Wednesday, I, I didn't realize this, but I had posted episode 100 on the YouTube, because the YouTube is 20 episodes behind. Anyone who follows up us on YouTube and on SoundCloud knows this by now. Uh, I, I need time yeah. to export a high def quality of the podcast with a video which takes a lot longer to be able to put it on YouTube because you can't just put audio on YouTube um, which is why I create the fun little pieces of art in order to give it you know some vague semblance of an appearance yeah and I mean it adds a level of depth the title cards are fun. I yeah. mean, I, I do them mostly as a hobby, but I think, um, you know, I do this podcast as a hobby. But it's it's to give a little bit of an idea. It's a little bit of a preview. You know, it's like it's like our cover to the Goosebumps episode that is the podcast that week. Yeah. And most of the and time, I, most of the time it's relevant fan art. So. I do like because uh, there there are quite a few people that like I know on the podcast. There's quite a few people that I don't know. I do like visualizing sure. them, you sure. know, like as whatever that picture, that is. character. Um, Th- they actually released technology that lets you do that now. Like you post a PNG and it'll like you could select its mouth and you could like let it talk. Oh no, I don't. It'll, I don't. It'll audio yeah. track, and I'm like maybe I mean, that'll work for yeah, you know, a live episode cool, at some point, but. But not for the entire show. Yeah. What I'm what I'm trying to say, YouTube, I post episode 100, which is really near and dear to my heart because the centennial was kind of a, a changing of color, you know, a changing of leaf, to what I think is like what the show was always meant to be, which is just better quality everything, and um, we have some really great episodes throughout one through 100, but. Um, I posted, you know, 100 up, and we read Ben Drowned in that episode. And we get a comment on, like, Wednesday, like, the day I fucking put it up on YouTube. And it's a guy named Billy Wilkinson. And the comment says, Upload more shit. 
so that I have more shit to listen to at work. And I say to Billy, sorry if I'm blowing up your spot, Billy. I'm actually a big fan. We'll, we'll get into it. I say, Billy, grab your cockles and head over to SoundCloud because the YouTube is 20 fucking tracks behind. <laughs> that's, yeah, you yeah. know, that's like, and, and I'm thinking about the big episodes we've done since 100, which are like two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. That is like a quarter of a work day, you know, <laughs> like where, where you don't have to be on a phone or dealing with anyone like that helps to know that. So yeah. since episode 100, we've done a lot of great stuff on the SoundCloud. And so I, I dive into a fucking rabbit hole. I start going into checking up on all of this, like the mediums for which our po- podcast is exported. Mm-hmm. I'm checking all the regular sources that RS, our RSS feed bounces off of. And I stumble upon a fucking website called like Castbox or some shit. Okay. And we got like 182 subscribers on there, a couple comments, nice, a couple likes. Yeah, I mean that's um, always, you uh, know, a, a fun I, thing to a little find. A third of the listens we have on SoundCloud, I did notice that on SoundCloud we got like six thousand some listens. On iTunes we have like less than a thousand. On YouTube we have less than a thousand. Mm-hmm. But on this one, on Castbox, we have like twenty five. To t- like three. Wow. So, like, nearly half as many as SoundCloud, but double the subscribers. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, wow, like, that's cool. So, this is this has been around ever since I did the RSS, you know, like, yeah. a, like a year ago. That's cool. So, I click comments. First comment, and, and this is a joke because I don't actually give a shit uh, about anything I'm about to say. Okay. I know. I've been through the fucking ringer as a kid. I know that posting shit you care about on YouTube and then reading comments about shitty people saying shitty things. I know how that can make people feel. Yeah. So when I read, when I read the first comment and it says, (laughs) it's like Patrick's mom. Step one. (laughs) I don't know what's worse the fact that these idiots stop their own stories to hoot and holler about dumb shit or the constant changes in volume. And the first thing I thought was, I know, right? <laughs> like, like, I don't know what's worse. Um, yeah. Obviously, this show, Patrick's Mom, is not for you. <laughs> it's also like, like uh, you know, and I don't want to sound insulting for Aaron. It's super low budget. Oh, we don't we don't yeah. have anything. <laughs> like sorry. There's, there's no income. So like how are you going to put like monetary things into this? So I want to start. No, we don't have to fucking apologize to Patrick's mom. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. What, but what I will say to Patrick's mom as we fix the volume. <laughs> as I focus on the volume to try and help out Patrick's mom. Am I, am I going the wrong? <laughs> That's always the wrong way. <laughs> oh, I'm keeping all of this in this episode, which is why it's very important that you listen to this episode as the third episode in this series. Um, it's most relevant. So the first one 
That's the first comment. <laughs> 182 <laughs> subscribers, 3,000, almost 3,000 listens. And the first comment is someone just getting right into the thick of it. Yeah, we do interrupt the stories. We don't write these stories. It's a it's a critique. If we're able to tear apart a story and joke about shitty aspects of it, we're just having a commentary. We're just having a dialogue. If you don't think it's like funny or even remotely interesting and you're just trying to listen to the story, believe me, there are a million other podcasts yeah. you could listen say you, to. You have options. The No Sleep Podcast is great. Um, Miss Creeps McPasta, great fucking channel. Um, I don't think many of them are great readers. The problem huh. is um, one guy like literally just talks the same the, in- the entire channel, and I'm like, how can people fucking listen to this? But anyway, um, um, you know, a, a lot... There are... I just want to say, there are a lot of fucking creepypasta and no-sleep channels out there. I don't think they all cover the vast majority of what our show covers. We talk a lot about horror movies. We talk a lot about horror video games. Yeah. We talk a lot about anything, whether it's writing I mean, or... It's, there's a huge spectrum of what you talk about. We talk about a lot. This there, Half of this show is a talk show. The other half of this show is a storytelling podcast. And that storytelling podcast is mostly just a critique, commentary kind of... Uh, ex- yeah. experimental uh, thing. It's not. It's. It's. I want you to be, feel like you're sitting on the couch next to us. I'm not trying to make you feel like we're in a fucking studio. You know, we're, this isn't an official mm-hmm. thing. You are literally just sitting here with us, and if you don't want to, you are more than welcome to get yeah. the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And There's- I just feel like a lot of people like if you sit down and listen to this show. How the fuck can you take anything seriously? You know, like... So anyway, second comment is agreed. Just someone saying, like, absolutely. And, like, I get it. Like, our our podcast isn't going to be for everyone. I didn't make it for everyone. (laughs) They also have the internet muscles. Like, you know, they... There are people who will listen to... uh, And I actually... I want... um, There's this guy who makes a YouTube channel. And I, I don't know how... Ah, fuck it. It's so it's public information. Um, sure. His name, the the name of the channel is Alpha Investments. Can I just say, um, I also heard public information. Um, it's not, it's not illegal to mention drug use. I just want to say that it's illegal to possess drugs. Yeah. To admit having used drugs on a podcast cannot be held accountable in a court of law. Uh, I mean, yes, but it can be used to demoralize character. Yeah, but you know, what the fuck do I care about demoralizing? Yeah, exactly. What the fuck do that's, you care that's kind about of, exactly. Well, uh, I mean, I am getting sued right now. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's the thing. So, yeah, the, the public knowledge, uh, Alpha Investments is the name of the channel. Sure. Um, so if people want to, you know, delve into the, the things that I like, like, uh, I think... It's mentioned fairly often that I play Magic the Gathering, but yeah. it's just another sh- little plug about it. He creates videos. A lot of them are financial. Uh, not all, not a lot of them. Like, there's a handful of financial videos, but most of it is, hey, here's what I do. My YouTube channel is for saying, like, f- let's set the world on fire, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, um, he doesn't necessarily follow the ideals under 
the the um, the channel itself. He does a lot of box openings. He does a lot of this and that. But he he spends uh, the latest episode talking about how he got there. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck! I'm stoned. I forget the whole point of this story now. Commentary. People commenting on. Things? Oh yes, 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 yes. He he created a video talking about how he got there, and he was like, "Yeah, there's so many people on Reddit who say fuck this, fuck that." Um, yeah, it's really easy to do. Because, like, when you hear his story, you're like, okay, you know, this guy is kind of an asshole. But, hey, f- I'm not going to judge him. I'm, I'm also kind of an asshole. Um, but his channel isn't really the thing that he's doing. Like, it's not him being an asshole. Yeah. It's him being an asshole to himself, yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, well, why do people dislike this channel? Like, he doesn't, he, you know. Yeah. Oh. And it's just, and the answer is, it's easy because, for people to dislike shit. Yeah, they hear the little bit of the story, they don't go into the, the depth of things, oh, and they just say, we, I don't like that. We live in a very yeah. ADHD world. Oh people, my god. People can't sit and focus on things. So somebody that's listening to 20 minutes of an episode saying, why do they always interject, and they have the three seconds to type that out, you yeah. know, they're not necessarily a consistent listener. Oh, no. You know, and when they say the volume is going up and down, I know for a fact they're talking about the first 25 episodes of the show. Yeah. If you... I'm sorry, everyone. I've apologized about this before. If you started off in the show, you know, if you started off back in the fucking beginning, when it was hard to even get people on the show to listen to the show... Yeah. Like, that was a period of time where I had maybe five people to be on the show. Now we've, like, almost quadrupled... We've definitely quadrupled. We have almost quintupled that number by now. Yeah. But what was my first episode? Just for you were in the forties. Okay. You were um, in the forties. Fair um, enough. But that's what I mean. Like yeah. it took it took it me took to a get while. you here yeah. even longer because those first twenty five episodes really aren't a great. Well, they're also you getting comfortable with the system, so you have to be comfortable with what you're doing. Well, you it, also was have to be comfortable t- it was with the, the technology. Yeah. I was using a... I was Like, I've talked about it. I was using a shotgun boom mic off of a camera because I couldn't wait to do the show. I couldn't wait for the, the good microphone. I wasn't making good money at the time. It's only when I really started to delve into wanting to be better at the show that I said... Let me invest money in yeah. this because it's something I genuinely care about. It's also hard to invest money in something and then say, okay, you know, that was a cool three weeks. What's next? We've been doing this you know? for like almost two and a half years. Yeah, yeah but like in the beginning, because I've no, done that. Absolutely. I've picked We've up all a picked project. up things and then dropped them off and, th- you know, after three weeks. Yeah. We've all done that. I think I was so excited to do the show that I literally just at one point needed an excuse to spend money on it mm-hmm. in order for it to get better. I feel like I internally said, wow, that doesn't sound great. This show deserves to sound better. And then very quickly invested. It wasn't even a lot of money, like 50 bucks into getting a really nice microphone. And then eventually another 20 to $30 on things that helped the microphone sound better. The, the tech has stayed the same. The only expenditure, as Django Phillips would say, is the weed we smoke. <laughs> yeah. I spend a lot enough. of money on that, but uh, I, I love uh, yeah. smoking with that was gonna, That was going to happen either way. So, you know, when I, when I think that someone can summarize the show 
as a bunch of idiots hooting and hollering and interrupting their own stories, you're you're a fucking right on the money. Yeah. <laughs> you're right on the money, buddy, because that's exactly what this fucking show is. We. I mean, there was a point in this conversation where I forgot what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation. And I'm going to keep it. And I'm going to keep it in. And I'm going to yeah. keep it in because it's great. I would. I would ex- only expect to. I've done that on other episodes with people where I'm like, and now I'm on a tangent and don't remember how it relates to the story. And then like an episode later, I'm like, so remember that time when I wanted to say the thing, I remembered what it was now. Anyway, the, um, the real kicker of this story that I've been trying to tell for 15 minutes, the true kicker is, guess who is comment number three? Billy fucking Wilkinson, and guess what Billy fucking says? Listen, I give it to you. The first, these guys didn't start out too great. This podcast didn't start out too great. But if you give it some time, the show has really grown, and these guys are actually really great storytellers. That's pretty cool. It was a great comment. Yeah. And this was all meant to be a shout-out to Billy fucking Wilkinson for not only commenting on the YouTube, like a G, but giving us a fucking shout-out and standing up for us on a public forum where we hadn't had a voice. Mm -hmm. I only recently found your comment on that site and then claimed our product on that site, so now I can comment with people and have, you know, track the analytics of that site. Um... But I just wanted to shout out to Billy fucking Wilkinson. And this isn't my first shout out. Um, You know, I've shouted out to uh, a bunch of other people before. We have um, have a graphic designer over in fucking Colorado that talks to me all the fucking time. He, uh, He was like the first person to message the show and say, hey... I'm a big fucking fan. You should read this. Let's talk about this. And I was like, absolutely. We got our first piece of fan art in... This week. That, um, you know, I saw it sitting there and I was like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before, but I didn't want to be like, oh man, that, you know. Someone I has, assumed that you did that. No, someone, someone painted our title card uh, on some canvas pretty fucking accurately. Yeah, that, it and, looks uh, awesome. And uh, gave it to me. I, I know them outside of... Um, this podcast and they listen and they thought uh, I should have it. It was a present. And uh, I really fucking liked it. (laughs) She has listened to every episode of this show. Okay. She's certainly listened to more than I have. She's listened to more than Frowns has. And I believe Frowns is her favorite character. (laughs) She... Her her reasoning is that... um, she likes his Asian woman voice, and I say, you can't let him know that, <laughs> because then he'll never fucking stop yeah. it. So anyway, with Billy Wilkinson saying that we're actually good storytellers, um, someone came up behind him and said, uh, what, are you dating one of the guys on this show? And he said, uh, yeah, Captain Death gives me his bone. And I couldn't help but fucking yeah. laugh. <laughs> that seems like a, a very uh, accurate Billy, way to handle that situation. Billy fucking Wilkinson, I dedicate this episode to you <laughs> because you are the uh, you, you're the person you're the demographic. 
<laughs> Welcome to the demographic that yeah. we do this show for. You are Billy the target Lincoln. market. <laughs> you are listening to these episodes, uh, and we appreciate it. Anyway, people are more than welcome to follow us on... I, here it is. I've made it to episode 123, and I'm finally fucking saying it. Follow us on Facebook. Sus- subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, I usually don't push the show on the show. People come, they listen to an episode, then they stop listening to the show. This is the first time I'm going to say, if you're on part three of a fucking series between Where Am I and I, you should be subscribed to the YouTube. Good stuff is coming. You should be following us on Facebook because I, I update every fucking week with what new has been done and sometimes even shoot out... Um, cool things in horror that I that I find um, online. Like when Channel Zero was going on, I was releasing ads for Channel Zero every fucking time I saw one. It, I was so excited. Channel Zero's dead, by the way. I didn't know that. After season four, sci-fi pulled the plug. It wasn't making enough money. Totally saw that coming. After, Slender, but, uh, after Slenderman bombed, like, yeah, it, it was going to happen. I've seen... Uh, sci-fi pull the plug on a show, and then that show continue elsewhere. Uh, a lot of people are... Recent ex- uh, example, The Expanse. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the Expanse. Second Life is very much a thing now. Um, a lot of people are saying Shudder, hoping that the horror yeah. the horror Netflix juggernaut Shudder um, picks up and finds a way to fund... Uh, Channel Zero, whether it's a longer, cheaper series or a shorter, cheaper series, because they know they don't have the budget of sci-fi. Yeah. Um, but if they could give uh, Joe Bob Briggs a fucking show, they can give Channel Zero a shot. Um, anyway, not not speaking shit about Joe Bob, just saying. Uh, anyway, that was one of the stories. What was uh, what was another story I wanted to tell you at the beginning of this show? It was the commentary. Oh no, the public knowledge thing. I um, I, I got into the mindset that like I shouldn't be afraid to talk about my drug use on the show yeah. because we are the characters of this show. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't walk around talking like this in real life sometimes. Oh really. yeah, I I agree. Uh, I don't have. At one point, I could have walked around and been like, yeah, man, I smoke pot. I smoke pot. I'm cool with it. Whatever. Fuck you. You know, like, there was no, a time is, in my life where I was okay with doing that. Yeah. Publicly, I can't do that can't right do now. can't do that anymore. Like, um, I wouldn't have my job. This, So this is a safe space. Yeah. Gonna, that's going to be the softest thing I ever say on this fucking show, is that this basement, this couch, is a safe space for the people on this show to say or think whatever they want, as long as it's somewhat relevant to the story or the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And... So far, that's worked out pretty fucking well. Yeah. I had a long discussion with Mark Rooster after recording his second episode. Um, shout out to episode, I think, 119, where we read <clears throat> his first uh, episode with Dianea House. Really great fucking episode. I had to have him back for another one. We talk even longer about movies on that one, so get fucking used to it. And he just wanted, like, after after recording and after everything, he's just like... You know, you really bring something out of people on mm-hmm. your show. I've heard it on several episodes. Like, people just feel like they can say anything. And I'm like, that's absolutely the atmosphere I want to have. You know, this and is... The there are a lot... I've said it a million times. There are a lot of actors on this fucking show. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of 
actors that don't practice anymore on this show. And this just, it's a platform. Yeah, I mean, I'd certainly go into that category. I look you at absolutely this as go one into of, that category. You know, I look at this as one of my few performance times. You know, like yeah. I used to perform all types of things between music, acting, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even like uh, school presentations. Like, I was very good at presenting and public speaking and, and all these things. I mean, really, I was just going to say, like, this is my only... Uh, outlet for any type of creativity lately. But let me pull up the fucking like list of people on this show, and just go through it. Like, Franz McBoohoo acting experience, Django Phillips acting experience, um, Gestalt. He's a writer. He uh, publishes work. Um, he writes. Was, he writes he poetry. Was also an actor. He also was in. Yeah, um, he was yeah, in he, a couple things. He's also been in a couple things. He also streams. He has a lot of uh, a lot of people watch him play League of Legends. To shout out to Gestalt, yeah. you you finally we're at you. Your first episode was forty three. There it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you you and I even have uh, the same community theater even acting spirit experience yeah. together. We uh, almost cycled differently. Like we started at the same time, and then you continued while I did the music thing, and then you kind of you know stopped, and I kind of went back towards it. And then, like, yeah, it just, it was weird. I, uh, I always found different systems to dip into. Yeah. I never really... Oh, same. Um, I never really sat in one spot. Well, that's, that's why I, I, I cycled like, so I like often. I cycle, yeah. to think about it that way. Tenron Otrin, tons of fucking acting experience. Ultimately, one of the only people I look at and go, why aren't you still acting? You have so much talent. Get back on the fucking stage, you asshole. He was so good. His, See, he's his one of the people that I want to get to know. He sings so great. He acts really great. That's why his episodes on the show are so much fun. When yeah. we did Left Right Game, it was the it was the most fun series we've ever done together. Things are clicking in my brain. Sorry. Uh, Tom Bong a little bit of acting, a little bit of singing experience, a yeah. little bit of music. He did uh, the, performing. I, I was looking too. at the the long hair. <laughs> yeah, uh, a couple weeks ago. The the what was it? What show was that? Fiddler on the Roof hair. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, Spum and Cum. So my my blood brother, uh, absolutely tons of acting experience. He just uh, yeah. Spum just uh, led an entire show uh, just like two years ago. Doctor Ankenstein, right up there with Django Phillips. We've been singing and acting pretty much the entire time we've known each other. Uh, I can say the same thing about Sofa King. He, we even met him in the same program when he was uh, over at the one theater near us. I, like, sort of knew that he was on the show, Dr. Einkenstein, but, like, I also sort of didn't. Um, His two episodes are great. And then the new, the newbie, the new girl, uh, Alley Cat, also used to act in high school with my older brother. So... Uh, that's how you develop... This, this uh, show is a fucking platform for mm-hmm. people to express themselves. And how do we do that, folks? By smoking a ton of weed <laughs> and yep. talking about horror stories and getting into these characters and breaking shit down. Is there anything you want to say before we commence in breaking shit down? No, I, I was actually going to say we probably should have should venture to Oh, it'll cut. Yeah. It'll cut down. Yeah, but I'm feeling good. I'm coasting. <laughs> but like I'm also kind of coasting, you know yeah. what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, let's start. Let's start by breaking it down. All right. Memory test for parts one and two. A, I'm terrible at memory tests. A is yeah. four. 
Uh, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. That one is about a guy visiting yeah. his dad in and a, in a nursing home and, and finds dad, out yeah. about his uncle being a prick. Yeah, yeah. B is for... I have no idea. Break-in, where we witness a... Uh, a future version oh. of Derek breaking into the old Vanderson house. Yeah. Um, for what reason, we don't know yet. But uh, the stranger in town, who is a mis- mystery man, let's call him that, um, decides to kill Derek instead of letting him go free. Um, shoot, shoots him in the head, I think. Something like that. C is for... It's not cat. Because the next one's Doghouse. Cremation. That's it. Because, oh, yeah. Because across the street's neighbors, the, um, D- Derek, I want to say, I don't remember Derek's last name. Yeah. But next door is the Reynolds Funeral Home. And, and the there's a, there's the a girl basement. that yeah. works for Mrs. Reynolds, um, who runs, uh, the morgue. And we got the idea night. that Mr. Reynolds was not around anymore, but that is not confirmed. It's... It's, like, all but confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is heavily alluded that he dies. Um, we... She, well, I, she I has... Guess, I guess we should say we don't know where in the timeline this necessarily Oh, it happens. absolutely happens in this timeline. It absolutely... Everything is happening right now except for one one part so far. No, but it hasn't I've, been chronological. I've put it together. Okay, all right? okay, fair enough. D is for doghouse. Yeah. Um, there's a weird creature in the yard, um, during a storm that happens probably near the ladder of the story. Something has been summoned in this town and it's having a weird effect. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, what we've, or what we've come to. With it, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or it's, a uh, it's brought, it's brought bad omens. And, um, yeah, E. E. No idea. Ezekiel. That's the church. The the pastor, the priest, given a sermon. And the mystery man makes what his his first known appearance. We just eventually piece together that he's the one who does the killing and break-in. Uh, it's his first known appearance where he uh, uses his creepy powers to uh, essentially make a priest have a heart attack. I thought it was cancer? Yeah. yeah, but he yeah. like he starts to bleed out and die oh, like, right yeah, yeah. right yeah. then and there. Um F. F is for um not remembering. Feed. Feed. Feed Feed, Feed is about uh two cops, which we later learn the sheriff in town is the father of uh Chad's girlfriend. So cop number one is listening to his buddy get drunk and drone on about a terrible crime scene they just witnessed when Mystery Man makes an appearance and says, yeah, about oh, that crime bar. scene. Yeah. Okay. At the bar. That's, yeah. F is, that's F is for feed. Yeah. G. Um, it's not gangster. G is for gremlin, which mm-hmm. is the the monster that has essentially slashed open... Mr. Reynolds' stomach as he lies on the floor dying in his uh, garage. in the garage. Um, so then... It leads us to believe that the mystery man either has the ability to summon demons, or that the demon is the baby... The... the spawn. The spawn of... of the pregnant... Of uh, pregnant woman, which is 
we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, H, H is hotel. No, H is for humorous, which is the bone uh. that Chad has broken. Chad um, might be the son of the teacher, the the main protagonist from A is for Alzheimer's. Um, I haven't pieced that together yet. I'm just waiting to hear that he has a a sibling. Essentially, they're watching the uh, Chad's girlfriend and his best friend Derek, which we now know. Yeah. Uh, gets killed by the mystery man in the Vanderson house one night. Um, they go. To they the, decide to break into old man. Let's just call him old man Jenkins, uh, the crazy old man Jenkins house. Uh, that he from outside sees that someone else is in the house with them, and when they get out, they see that there's a pregnant woman on the top floor, uh, also trying to get out, also like screaming to get out but there's someone in the house or something in the house and there's Mm -hmm. blood on the walls and weird sigils and pictures and chad is in one of the pictures and his street is in another picture so chad is someone important and so is um i think either steven or jacob or at least in in another picture yeah there are multiple targets it seems um obviously the priest was also one of them the dentist was also one of them like there are just weird targets that that don't really make sense yet I is for in, which is the backstory of yeah. the pregnant woman. Which is why I thought H was hotel. And how, yeah. and how she ends up uh, kidnapped in the house. But her child is the illegitimate son of A is for Alzheimer's father, who apparently has a five-year-old at home, I think, named Jacob. So that, that takes place, um, I don't know if concurrently, because maybe then, maybe then Chad isn't the kid. Chad is just a high schooler being taught by... The teacher, maybe that's the relevancy of that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, he lives in the town either way. Like they, yeah. They're all, well, they're all, all in the same town. Yeah. Uh, Jay is for Junior. Jay's for Junior. junior. That's the um, that's the flashback one. We go all the way back oh, to yeah. how when, um, when, uh, the, how the the, the from... adulterous father, the main the main character, and. Alzheimer's dad. Yeah. Uh, apparently they have the same name, which is Cal, short for Calvin. Um, and it's how um, Cal Jr. apparently has a sister, an evil sister he doesn't know about. Or um, maybe the sister just exists. Um, her name is Greta, and I don't believe we've heard about her since. Yeah. The doctors yeah, are kind they're... of evil. They took a baby from the mom. That's really all you can gather from that one. The revelation there hasn't been explained. K is for keg, which is the party where these two twins uh, go to old man Jenkins' house, which is now burned down. um, And had just burned down. Had just burned down. And they claim to see something inside, which we uh, allude is the gremlin Mm -hmm. from G. Um, And uh, the, the lamer of the sisters... Yeah. Stumbles upon it firsthand. And all, well, also stumbles upon... I guess we um, should say the, uh... Ah, Lamer's fine. No, the, 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 the uncool sister. Yeah. The not slutty one. Well, because in my head I'm going, I, like... Realistically, that's the one that I would hang out with more. Oh, sure. You know, so like... I lame don't like lame the, is not a judgment yeah, of character. Yeah. I, I guess that's... I am yeah. lame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not agreeing with you. I'm <laughs> I'm saying that I am also lame. Yeah. Um, she... I play Magic the Gathering. What isn't lame about that? Here's what I think I put together about K is for Keg. 
I think they find the pregnant woman's body and she's not quite dead yet, but she has absolutely given birth Mm -hmm. to the gremlin from G is for Gremlin, which is why he has... Or at least another one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because that explains why um, this thing has like a fascination uh, with like intestines. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know, but K is for keg. And then we stopped last episode with L is for limbs. That's when mystery man decides to take over. Uh, I think it's either the Vanderson's house from across the street of, um, Mrs. Reynolds and the funeral home, or it's the takeover of old man Jenkins house. I'm, I'm not quite sure because they don't really, um, they definitely say his name, but I'm not sure if it's the same name of the crazy old guy that they talk about in Ages for Humorous. So um, I, I haven't pieced that together. That is unfortunately the one thing we can't do when we're telling this story um, yeah. in consecutive episodes, which is uh, piece together names as well. And that, that has very little to do with being high. Um, yeah, I, it's just I, there's a lot of information to process. There's a lot of information. And a lot of it's a non-linear by. story. Yeah, we we record these episodes like every three weeks. It's it's a lot of information, but I edit the episodes pretty, you know, pretty fast, and I retain a lot of the information because I have to listen to it like two more times mm-hmm. before it comes out to you guys. So I'd like to think that I catch myself back up every time. And and even now, there are gaps. There are yeah. noticeable gaps. There's things that in we, the will click as well. Like, you know, we'll Absolutely. Say, this have oh yeah. You and know. then that's gonna go there and this is gonna do this. You good? Yeah. Alright. The first story of tonight, we're on letter M, and we're going to start with M is for moth. Why is for yawn? <laughs> Get that one out real quick. Uh, coffee? The young officer walking in the door looks at me with a half-glazed confusion. Um, no thanks. Or, um, do you want me to get you some, sir? I smile and pat him on the shoulder. Burnt grounds, man. It's how we label the scenes. He stares at me and, and nods, and then rolls over into a slow shake. He doesn't follow. They smell. If it's really bad, you shove some burnt coffee grounds in your nose or wipe some Vicks or something on your top lip. The lights clicked on in his eyes. Um, no. No, sir, no coffee. It's, um, it's, what's, what's the opposite of coffee? My eyebrows rise. I got a call that this one was pretty brutal. Oh, it is, sir. It, uh, it just doesn't, um, smell. He swats at the side of his face as a large... Uh, that's an animal. Um, Kitalita mortibidalis. Morbidalis. Yeah, I wouldn't... I wouldn't have... I would have butchered that I have heart. a feeling it's a moth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a large uh, multi-word moth name flutters by his ear. Latin. Yeah, I guess it is Latin. Uh, interesting, I say. <laughs> interesting. And, and walk into the hotel's storage room. The space is small, squarish, with a large cabinet taking up the majority of the left-hand side. A cut deadlock is hooked into a latch, holding two large doors closed. 
One single bulb flickers on a frayed line suspended from the center of a seven-foot ceiling. I duck to avoid the light and follow the caps to the rear corner. There are no windows. The room feels overwhelmingly dry, a voice says in front of me. My mouth sticks. My tongue is swollen and lethargic. As I say, yeah? What's up with that? Some sort of desiccant. Silica gel, it looks like. Lots of it. The voice began, belongs to a woman. She stands with a red striped evidence bag. You the CSA? Lead analyst, actually, I say, and extend a gloved hand. Max McLaren. She shakes it without saying anything, so I add, Where's Georgie? Detective Brown was pulled into another 1045D outside of Crestwater. Her radio beeps to life. There's a second of static, and then it cuts out again. To the circumstances, I was asked to cover. And you are? I say coyly. She's cute. Way too uptight, but cute. I throw in a wink for good measure. Detective Lafferty. Hard to get, I think. Uh, I like that. Do all of your friends call you detective? My husband calls me Marcia. Marcia. Mar- wow. Oh, I butchered that one hard. My husband calls me Marcia. She I'm replies- I'm gonna keep Marcia. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, she replies, stone face. Oh, I say, my flirting dries up like, um, like the room I'm in. I turn in a half circle to take the entire scene. Left side, cabinet. Right side, bare wall. Corners. Nothing. Floor. Empty concrete. So, where's the John Doe? We'll get to that. She says, she's watching me, waiting for my initial analysis. Alright, uh, no smell means the body is post-decay or sealed. Uh, no stain means it was done somewhere else or cleaned very thoroughly afterward. Single door, no windows means there was... Limited external contamination. Uh, I look around the room again to make sure I didn't miss something and then add, no body means I get to go home and relax. I smile. She doesn't. Look closer, she says. I step forward to the next cap plate and look at the rear wall and floor. A cracked corner in the concrete opens into a tiny black hole between the floor and the wall. There's a faint trail of powder that leads from the wall, past the metal stepping plate I'm on, and into another hole made by the rotting baseboard in the cabinets behind me. Detective Lafferty follows my eyes. The desiccant, I think. She hands me the baggie. I don't know what that word means. Um, I think like a dis deceased item. The thing, the thing making, kind of... the thing decomposing. Okay. Um, desiccant, I guess. Yeah, sure. They can't confirm what it is yet, so they just say the thing. Yeah, making, yeah. The thing yeah. making that fucking smell. Uh, bug trail, I say, and take the baggie. I look at her and then look at the cabinet. What's in there? Before she can answer, her cell phone rings. She puts up one finger and takes the call. Hello? Yes. He's here now. There's a pause. Her nose wrinkles in concentration. 
definitely cute, I think. She sees me staring and frowns. Stay here. Don't touch. She says to me with her palm over the phone's mic. She leaves the storage room, not before turning on a heel and repeating, Do not touch anything. I nod and watch her leave. I start daydreaming about what she looks like under that pantsuit when something moves to my right side. I turn too quickly and trip off the side of a square metal. I lose my balance and put both hands up on the wood cabinet to steady myself. Graceful as always, I chuckle to myself. The cabinet moves. I pull my hands away like I've just touched a hot stove. That didn't just... I start to say, and then the padlock on the cabin's front latch jiggles. I jump back onto the stepping plate and look to the storage room door. The back of the young officer is towards me, and hot Detective Lafferty is nowhere in sight. Nothing in there, Max. I say to myself, I remember the bug trail. Definitely something in there, Max. My curiosity is piqued. I shoot a glance back to the officer. He stares out into the parking lot, lost in his own thoughts. I listen for Detective Lafferty. I can hear her muffled conversation on the other side of the wall. If you're going to do it, best be doing it now, I say to myself. I step off the metal plate gingerly and place both hands on the cabinet. It doesn't move. Of course it's not going to move, you idiot. There's a ripple of vibration that starts at the base of the cabinet and then the worms, and then worms its way up past my hands. When my heart starts beating again, I take a deep breath and put my ear to the door. It's silent for a long time, and then, scratching. I pull my head away from the wood and place a trembling hand around the lock. Looking at the officer through the doorway, I remove the lock and slide the latch back. It squeaks he doesn't turn around. With the latch unhooked, the door presses outward. I hold it shut with my hands and steady my nerves. The whole cabinet is humming with movement. I try to lick my lips, but all the moisture has been sucked from my tongue. I say a silent prayer and then pull open the doors. I'm knocked backwards, trip over the cap plate, and go sprawling on my butt against the opposite wall. A silent swarm of white attacks my face and beats at my hair. I'm blinded by a flurry of wings and black eyes. I try to stand but trip again, and my head hits the light bulb. It starts swinging in a spastic manner, and half the storm traces it back and forth, back and forth. I swat at the others as they batter my face. I force a hand over my mouth as a few of them manage to fly in and get caught in my throat. That's disgusting. I'm choking, gagging on them. Just makes me think of Kung Pao. What are the chances of that (laughs) happening twice? (laughs) This is unbelievable. I'm choking, gagging on them, as there are more crushed between my teeth. Wings pelt my eyes, so I squeeze them shut. A few hammer at the sides of my head, and as I slap their bodies away, their heads detach inside my ears. I'm blind and deaf and choking on their bodies. And then it stops. The whole swarm changes direction. 
pulls away from me and careens into a crack in the ceiling above the cabinet. They beat at the plaster until it opens wider, and then all tumble through the hole in a rolling wave of white wings. I watch them leave, and then my eyes follow the few lingerers back to the cabinet. The doors are open. Vomit wells up in my throat. Inside the cabinet is a cork board. Pinned to the board with crooked nails are the remains of a man. His arms are separated at the shoulder and pulled away three inches. They're mounted next to the torso in a T-pose. The skin is flayed from the wrist to the biceps and stretched out and stapled to the board. The man's head lolls forward on a neck so dry it looks like parchment. The neck opens up to a naked torso. Its skin has been split down the middle and pulled out like wings to the side. It's stapled in the same manner as the arms. The legs are bisected at the hip and mounted to the board perpendicular to the torso. The skin is flayed and both femurs are missing. The placement of the arms, legs, and skin gives the man a distinct insect-like appearance like he's been pinned to a board for a collector. A handful of white moths flutter about the body, occasionally coming down to the rest on the dried skin like snowflakes on a dead tree. My knees unhinge and I feel myself go lightheaded. I put both hands on the doors and close them, trapping both the man and the moths inside. What the hell are you doing? Detective Lafferty said. I jump out of my skin. I, uh, I I thought I heard something. She steps into the room and grabs the swinging light, forcing it to steady. I told you not to touch anything. And then, when seeing my face, are you okay? I push my way past her and run out into the parking lot. The young officer calls after me as I vomit in the middle of the road. I raise my hand to keep him away. I look through my legs and see Detective Lafferty walking towards me. I stand up, pull the back of my hand across my mouth, and yell, I'm fine. Just had some bad eggs for breakfast. Right, she says. Come back when you're ready. I spit out the last bit of bile and walk back towards the inn. The young cop looks at me with worried eyes. Turns out it was worse than a coffee gig. I say with a smile, I'm going to get some gum. He nods and resumes his surveillance on the parking lot. I walk over to my car, an old Crown Vic. I got it for a steal at the last cop's auction and climb into the driver's seat. I lean over, flip open the glove box and pull out a pack of Wrigley's and and a flask. After a long swig, I pop in a piece of gum and check out my reflection in the rearview mirror. A few bags under my eyes and some gray hairs but not too bad. Then a shadow moves behind me. He's going to have to help us, it says in a trembling voice, but we have to give him what he needs. I turn in my seat, my heart pounding in my ears. Dad? Um, Mr. McClariton, if I am correct, is the old, um crazy guy that uh, in E is for Ezekiel asks the priest to repeat himself like every 
two stanzas. At least that's what I remember about yeah. Mr. McLaren. Yeah. Um, He's the last guy that the um, uh, the stranger was sitting next to before he got on the stage. Oh, perhaps, yeah. The only thing that made me think of was a little bit of Hannibal and a little bit of uh, Deadly, Premo- uh, Deadly Premonition, which are both sources that deal with, like, bodies being displayed in really artistically interesting compositions. Yeah. I would say Evil Within also does that to an, to an element... But I mean, that's it, just Japanese people being weird. It brought me to uh, Dexter right away. Yeah. The, the first season, the guy individually packages the different body parts. Yeah, no, I, I mean, um, definitely. Uh, in Hannibal, he constantly leaves the bodies in, like, sculptures. Yeah. You know, the um, the angel... You know, it's mm-hmm. it's when you flay the back and you extend all of it. Uh, it was a Viking, you know, it was a way that they would execute Vikings because it was, like, beautiful. You know, like, you'd rip the ribs out through the back and it would look like wings, you know. It was, um, it's really fucking crazy. It's really fucking crazy to think about. But that absolutely, you know, exists on some level. In Deadly Premonition, there are a lot of, I think, uh, butterflies or something. Or maybe I'm thinking of the wrong game. Um, but during the... When you find the one woman's body and it's, like, pinned to the tree, there are a lot of, like, butterflies and flower petals and shit. Flower seeds and whatnot. It's interesting. It's pretty to think, you know, but it's also terrifying. Do you think this is just Mystery Man doing some fucked up shit, or do you think this is something else? I don't think that this would be here if it was not part of Mystery Man. Like... Sure. I think that this is absolutely connected. Sure. Um, I don't know if the moths necessarily are connected, other than the fact that there's a dead body decaying. You yeah. Know, bugs get into dead bodies. Well, it was it was do. clearly um, it was clearly the body was clearly killed and then set yeah. up to kind of depict like an insect. So I feel like it's intentional, but at the same time, it's. Um, he also mentioned that there was no smell, so it had been there for a while. Yeah, that's a good point. When could this have happened? Yeah. Okay, so this next one is called N is for neighbor. It's the safe word for whenever you're a white guy and you want to say the N word in a rap song. You say neighbor instead. You go with the, uh, what's it called? The uh, Mr. Rogers approach. Hello there, neighbor. Instead of stay woke, neighbor's creeping. Anyway, (laughs) Mother Nature is bipolar. Or like I told my mom when she hung the winter wreath on the door at the very same time my dad was doing yard work in sandals, Mother Nature is most deaf a chick. You can't be hot one day, snow the next. That's actually exactly what we're dealing with right now. And then decide you're going to be a little bit of both in the weekend. We went full pads today, fourth time this week, and I'm pretty certain we're going to be doing sled work every day until I graduate. I don't really mind. I mean, quarterbacks don't get hit, but still, I kind of feel bad for everyone else. After the Crestwater game, you'd think the coach was actually punishing us. Whatever. It's not like any of us are good enough for D1 next year. Don't tell my dad, though. He'd have a cranial if I told him I didn't want to play ball at state. Phone rings. Sup? You hear about your hot goth neighbor? She show up in your dreams again, dude? He gets a rager whenever he sees Mrs. Reynolds. Ooh, so someone's talking to Derek. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell your girlfriend, I tease. 
Terror's the one who told me. There's a pause. It takes me a second to notice there's no humor in his voice. He sounds serious. What's up? I put my half-finished Gatorade down on the porch and switched the phone to my right ear. Another pause. I can hear him breathing. Um, Tara heard her dad talking, and apparently they found her husband, Mr. Reynolds. That wasn't his last name, I correct. What? Your Wednesday Adams kept her daddy's name because of the business or something. Oh, Casey never told me that, he mumbles. That doesn't really matter anyway. Tara heard her dad say they found him dead in their garage, leaning up against that shitty black gremlin. Totally gutted. The car or the dude? The dude, he says. Well, I know, he says. I mean, he seemed like a good guy, right? Always waved and stuff. Didn't say anything about seeing us over at McLaren's place. McLaren is the old man. It's come full circle. Right. That sucks. The phone is silent for a full minute. Dude? Chad asks. Do you think it was... No! I interrupt. I don't even fucking think that. Okay, I mean... Tara's dad said there was black ash everywhere, and Steven said... I think of her and my blood boils. I don't give a shit what your brother said, I shout. There's no way! A small yellow U-Haul truck pulls into the driveway across the street, brakes squeak, and hinges protest as it comes to a stop. Whoa. At the same time, the driver swings open the sun, decides to push its way through a soggy pair of gray clouds. The house across the street is cast into a blacklit shadow as a man, I think it's a man, hops out of the cab and lets himself through the front door. Chad is talking into the phone, but I don't pay any attention until I hear him say, and he's been grounded since the party. What? I said Steven's been grounded since the party, so good, your brother's a douchebag. But the dance, he says, what we saw, bigger fish right now, dude. I say and stand, someone's moving into the old Vanderson place. Is she cute? I don't respond. The front door of the house swings open and a figure walks out onto the porch. I turn sideways behind a railing and hold my breath. I don't know why I'm hiding, but now that I am, it feels pretty frickin' silly. She's cute, isn't she? The phone says from my side. I raise it up to my ear. You always get the hot neighbors. It's a dude, I say. Why are you whispering? I don't know. The clouds reassert their position in front of the sun, and the Vandersons' house is cast into a monochrome fog. The figure turns and shuts the door behind them, and I use the opportunity to run inside my house and look through the blinds of the front window. What's going on? He's, uh... He's just standing there, I say. What you doing? A tiny voice says behind me. I jump, my face gets caught in the blinds, and I flail onto the floor. My phone tumbles under a chair. I stand up quickly and try to pass it off like nothing happened. I check the window. Across the street, the figure is shadowed silhouette except for a wide, white smile with too many teeth. I felt the skin on my neck rolling and twitching in agitated spasms, and then she pulls my hand. Who are you looking at? 
Did Mr. Vanderson come home? I turn and look at Becky, one lopsided pigtail sprouts from the right side of her head and falls into her face. She keeps blowing it out of the way, her eyes, and it keeps flopping back into him. A fat bulldog struggles in her arms and then finally gives up and stares at me with wet eyes. A sloppy tongue lolls out of his mouth and occasionally licks her arm. She buries her nose in the scruff of his neck and makes a kissing sound. I don't think Wrinkles likes that, <laughs> I say and begin redoing her hair. Of course he does, don't you, Wrinkles? The dog lets out an exasperated pant. See? I cinch down the hair tie and pat Wrinkles on the head. Sorry, buddy, she's the boss. He pants harder at me. Who's that? Becky says and points a finger over my shoulder. I turn to look and nearly jump out of my skin. There's a man standing at my front window. His back is to us and he keeps swaying side to side like he's moving with the wind. He looks normal in a blue shirt and jeans. A familiar strap crosses his back and connects to something that rests under his left arm. There's something off about him. The way he moves is like staring at a funhouse mirror. I put my finger to my lips and motion Becky to leave. She refuses, so I grab her arm and begin pulling her out of the room. Click, click, scratch. I whip my head back around and the man is still standing there, gently rocking in front of the window. His ears are pulled back like he's smiling, but I can't see his face. He's tapping the glass with one of his fingernails. The dog lets out a growl. I don't think Wrinkles likes him, Becky says and kisses the dog's head again. Go find Dad, I say. Or Mom, just go. Becky stomps off towards the kitchen. I watch her go until she disappears around the corner. I try to steady my heart as I turn around, but it completely stops. The man is gone. I run to the window and scan the porch. He's not there. I look out into our driveway and front lawn, but see no sign of him. I look over to the Vandersons, and he's standing on their porch. A shapeless black figure melting into the shapeless black darkness, only a twisted Cheshire smile glowing from the shadows. I can feel my stomach turning, the Gatorade forcing its way back up my throat. I swallow it back down when I hear, Dude, yo, Derek, you okay, man? I look around the room and see my phone under the chair. Dropping to my hands and knees, I reach between the legs until my shoulder nudges the bottom cushion. I feel the rectangular brick pull it out and press it to my ear. Camera, I guess. He's got her. Movement out of the corner of my eye, I drop the phone. Blood gushes from my mouth as I clamp my teeth shut on my tongue to suppress a scream. My eyes water and I feel my bladder let loose. He's standing at my window, hands cupped around his eyes and staring through the glass. I can't tell if he sees me sprawled on the floor, but I can clearly see that he's smiling. His face looks like it's melting upwards, like it's constantly in a wind tunnel. A split tongue darts out between sharpened rows of teeth and wets thin lips. A pointed Adam's apple darts up and down a long neck. I push myself into the floor, wishing myself invisible. He taps on the glass. Derek, 
the phone in my hand, yells, Who has a camera? Derek! I put the phone to my ear and cup the mic. Shh! I hiss. Shh! The man at the window repeats. I squeeze my eyes shut as tears rip from the corners. A scream bludgeons the back of my throat, clawing to get out. I hold my breath for what seems like an eternity. Shh! I hear him say again. I open my eyes and he's gone. Moisture from where his hands were pressed evaporates from the window. I push myself to my knees and look out into the front yard. Nothing. Derek? Chad yells from the phone. I rise on unsteady legs and lean my back to the window. My heart flutters at random rhythms. He's got her camera. I croak with a voice, nearly too scared to come out. Who does? Chad asks. Whose camera? The neighbor, I say. The neighbor. A voice repeats from the other side of the glass. I spin on a heel and trip over myself. The man is there, a blue eye and a brown eye staring through the glass and through me. The smile on his face widens until it stretches into a sickening grin. I scream and fall backwards. Fuck! <laughs> I blink. He's gone. I blink again. Still gone. I squeeze my eyes shut until red blossoms bloom in my eyelids and then slowly open the lids. Definitely gone. I clamber to my feet and stumble to the window. I look left, nothing. Look right, nothing. Look across the street and he's there again. He floats on feet that don't move backwards through a door that opens for him. My arm feels asleep as I raise it to my face. Get Tara. I say into the phone, I'm coming over. But what about Stephen? Chad says. I don't care, I'm coming over. I grab my coat and tell my mom I'm going to Chad's for the weekend. As I walk out into the late day's warm sunlight, the house across the street sits in a wintry gloom. Mother Nature isn't bipolar, I think. She just knows something I don't. So he's just leaving his, like, his mom and the rest of his family? Like, a, Yeah, but, like, we already know that, like, whether it's him and Tara or him, Tara, Steven, and Chad breaking into this dude's house, that Derek totally gets fucking gutted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's gonna... What, what would make him want to break into this dude's house when he just had such a terrible fucking experience with him? That one's fun because it kind of, um, it's a big storytelling piece it kind of pieces a couple of the parts together for us it does it's it's before breaking but it's after humorous well we're also at the point where like like obviously they can open more doors but it's getting to the point where they have to start closing more than they open and i definitely think that one closed that one closed a couple so o is for oxazepam 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 Oxazepam. Oxazepam. That sounds fun. Oxazepam. However you want to say it. Yeah. O is for Oxazepam, which I can only... Assume is... Assume is a drug. Here. The world is tipping. Or topping. Or maybe it's tip-topping down on itself. Hell, I don't know. All I can tell is it's spinning like a Ferris wheel. 
and I gotta hold on to the side of the building to keep from falling. Oh look, a tiny little flying white bug. Hello, pretty bug. What are you doing? I'm pissing. Can't you see that? But I'm not pissing. I'm done. Been done for a while. I just spaced and forgot to zipper up and he's still staring at me. What are you staring at, officer? Oops. That came out a little drunk. Uh, let me try that again. Stared at me for what now, buddy? Are you? This isn't going too well. I hiccup, fart, and try not to laugh. Is your room around here? He asks. I shake my head no. Yes, <laughs> I say. Can you make it there on your own? I shake my head yes, and this time say yes. I give myself a thumbs up, lose my balance, and stagger against the wall. Did, did, did you did, did you just push me, man? No. Oh. I look up and down the side of the building. I could have sworn somebody just... Hey, are you really a cop? Cops wear guns and badges, like silver stars. Not copper stars anymore. Copper. You know, that's why you're called a cop. I'm rambling, but my mouth stopped listening to my brain a while ago. I saw that on a TV show. I smile at him. His flashlight still shines on my face. When did he get a flashlight? Are you meeting someone? I think about the answer, and then get confused by the question. I try to shake my head yes and no at the same time and make myself dizzy. I lean back against the wall and feel warm air on my crotch. Oops, I say, but it comes out like a wet belch. I'm fumbling with my zipper, but every time I look down, the ground swims away. I, I think I have vertigo. I teeter forward and almost fall. He catches my shoulder with one hand. You've got pretty nails, I blurt. I mean, for a guy cop and all. We know who has pretty <laughs> nails in this story. Yeah? Mystery man has pretty nails. Yeah. Um, Do you have any family? That, that's, that's a weird question to be asking somebody. Don't you think... I poke him in the stupid blue chest with my finger. No. Oh, I say. Good point. I managed to pull the zipper halfway up. Close enough. I got a brother and a mom. I scratch my head. I got a dad too, but I, I never met him. I look up at him, at that dumb light in my eyes. I, I met him, maybe, but I don't remember. He, he died. I'm falling forward again. I never realized how hard standing upright really is. He died eating pie. Isn't that funny? No. Well, well, maybe you don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> humor. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Well, maybe you don't have a sense of hummer. Humor. I I'm laughing. I said hummer, didn't I? <laughs> the Inns Neon street sign is fading. 
like it's being pulled out into the horizon on the back of a bus. I was on a bus today, I say. I hear a scraping sound on my feet, but don't look. It's no good at this point. The earth doesn't want to be seen. Swims away and away and away. I catch myself doing the breaststroke with my arms. Sammy's the swimmer. When we were both little, he... But we both fell into a pool. Sammy swam over and pulled me out. He was only three or four or... Maybe we were ten. I, I don't know. I, I try to scratch my head, but my arm is being stubborn. I have a feeling my body doesn't like me anymore. I laugh, but it pinches in my chest. A bright star shoots through the sky and comes to rest in a dark square in front of us. Did you see that? I blink. The star becomes a light bulb. It was always a light bulb. It's a light bulb in a room. It gets bigger and bigger, or... Am I floating? The scraping stops. The light bulb doesn't move. That's not the only time Sammy saved me from drowning, you know? My tongue is thick, and it takes a lot of effort to talk. Been sober for 15 years now. I got the coin and everything. I try to dig it out of my pocket, but my arms are still being rude. Do, do you mind helping me out? I turn my head to the second man, holding my other arm. Well, thanks, I say. My chin droops forward, and I feel myself drooling. I look back to the first man. Your friend doesn't talk much, does he? The scraping sound starts again. The light bulb gets closer. He sells the stuff, but won't touch it. Bartender that doesn't drink. Like a cop who's not a cop. Like you, I say. Or think. Probably think. My mouth isn't listening to me anymore. You're just a guy in a shirt. My eyelids are heavy. I want to say I'm sleepy. I want to tell the men to drop me off in my room. But I'm sitting now. Sitting in a dark room. With big cabinets in my back. A dark room. A concrete floor. And it's so dry in here. I wonder how he feels about moths. My eyelids are heavy. I don't drink anymore, I try to say, but it slips through cracking lips as I don't think it anymore, my eyelids flutter. The light bulb star dangles on a string to heaven. White angels float around the glowing orb. Do you see the angels? I ask, shocking myself a little with the clarity. Every day. The first man says with a laugh. <laughs> the other man is crouched down in front of me. He's pulling off my shoes. You don't have to do that. I think at him. I've slept in my boots before. His eyes are wet. He's very old. I recognize him. A smile tugs at my lips. Can I have another glass of water? I ask. I'm sorry. He says, oh, this is the second man. Yes, that is um, Mr. McLaren, and I have a feeling. It's okay. 
I mumble. He was nice enough to give me the first glass when I met him in the parking lot. Can't go mooching off everybody. The other man pours a cup of nails into my lap. I can't, the old man says. Can't what? I try to say. But it's so damn dry in here. Feels like I'm chewing on chalk. The little angels are dancing closer now. The first man crouches down and pulls off my shirt. He smells like iron and dust. He puts his face inches from mine. One eye is the color of the pool I fell into as a kid. The other eye, the color of the drink I fell into as an adult. Pursed lips separate into a smile that glows, catching waves of skin in thick folds of red splotched dermis. His head tilts like he's studying me as his cheeks stretch up and past his ear. He leans in closer and puts his face next to mine. Angels don't have wings. He whispers into my ear. His lips brush the edge of my skin. But you will. So that's another fun one. Yeah. That um, one takes place literally right before Emma's for Moth. And we now know Mr. McLareton is in cahoots, the old man whose house was burned down. Yeah. Uh, it, it happens before. It might not happen directly before. Could have been years before. Yeah. Could have been. I just think that the supernatural powers at work are kind of running in uh, very close proximity to one another. Mm-hmm. With the outlier being Junior. I mean, I think that like a few week spam... Like, even if you say, like, two weeks? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the the story probably takes place within two weeks, but Junior takes place yeah, yeah. 20 to 30 years in the past. If not even a, a few more, more than that. More, yeah. yeah. Um, I did like the throwaway line of the, um, the guy that they killed, the guy that they hung up, who we don't know yet, the drunkard. Mm-hmm. Um, his father well, was killed by Pi, you know, which is obviously uh, the uncle... Of Cal. Yeah. Death by Pie. Yeah. Do you think Mystery Man is the uncle? No. No, I think mis- I think uh, it's building a lot of backstory of the town that may not actually be relevant. Sure. Like, it, it's creating emotional attachment. Oh, shit. I just put this letter together. Yeah? P is for Pie. Yeah. So I, I was guess, like, I guess we'll I find like, out here. I real was like, soon. why? Like, that's so weird. And then I like remembered like killing people with poison pie. Yeah. I guess this is gonna be that. P is for pie. Oh my. Oh honey, you know I can't tell you that. I closed the. <laughs> that's probably a guy saying. That. I closed the glass on the three-tiered carousel and wipe away my fingerprints with a rag. He leans over the counter and gives me his biggest grin. If it wasn't for the three missing teeth, he might also be cute. Reba, he says, you got me coming back here day in and day out. How many years it's been? Too many, I say with a wink. I smooth down my apron, the same one my mama wore, and try to cover the last remaining mound of my ever-receding baby bump. Now don't you go play and you loved every minute of it. I laugh and pull his tab. 
He slaps down a five and two ones, the same as every other day. Just the crust then, will ya? Just give me the recipe for the crust and I'll go on my way. Well, I say and scratch my temple with a pencil's eraser. How about you come in for another few years and I'll tell you then? He grins the same goofy grin he gives every day, and when I tell him that line, tips his hat and walks towards the exit. He turns back as he pushes through the door and says, Reba Yerner, if you wasn't married, I'd take you home with me. Mr. Marshall, if I wasn't married, I might just let you try. We wave at each other, and then he's gone out into the early afternoon sun. The dinner is practically empty now. A couple sits in a corner booth sharing an order of fries, looking out the window and making those silly kissy faces newlyweds still know how to make. The young dentist is at the end of the bar, picking through the last crumbs of his chicken and waffles, and a trio of strangers sit at the large round table by the jukebox. The hairs stand at the back of my neck when I see them. Take a picture, it'll last longer, Odetta says from behind me. I wasn't staring, I protest. Sure you were. I had to say that twice before you even acknowledged me. You think about Francis and the boys? No. I shake my head. The world seems foggy for a second, and then my head clears. I turn away from the large round and motion at it with my head. Just strange to see one guy out with two girls, right? Odetta laughs. Honey, you've got a dirty mind. One of them is his daughter. I turn around slowly and take a quick look. Which one? They look like twins. Beats me. The man in the blue shirt at the table looks up from his hamburger and tilts his head as if he's studying me. I turn back to Odetta. He's creepy. Yep, she says, and a horrible tipper. She smiles and pats my arm. Don't worry, he's cashed out. I nod. Ernest is waiting outside. You good? I nod again. Good. I'll see you in the morning. Oh, Odetta is the... Odetta is the Vanderson who died. He steals their house. Okay. In, uh, in Alice for Limbs. He yeah. steals... Odetta and Ernest are the, uh, the old couple. The black couple that get killed. Ernest, uh, Vanderson. Odetta Vanderson. Uh, that's sad. She gets up and tiptoes and kisses my cheek. She starts walking to the door, and just as she reaches it, two young men barge through. Excuse me, ma'am, the thin one says. Move it, the other one says, and puts a shoulder into her. Well, screw you, fatty, Odetta says and pushes her way outside. The man's face turns a bright shade of crimson. That doesn't even begin to subside until the two are sitting at the bar in front of me. What can I get you to? I ask, trying and failing to not sound annoyed. The thin one's eyes soften as he looks from what could only be his brother to me. What's good today, he asks. Thick ropes of muscle ripple under a rolled flannel shirt as he picks up the menu. Well, that depends on how hungry you are. Ten hours in the heat and I'm liable to eat everything in your kitchen, he laughs. Well, then burgers and fries it is. I take his menu with a smile. I recognize him now. He always sits in the back booth with his brother, and I can see why he hides him away. The other one has his arms folded on the counter and is leering at the booth where the newlyweds sit. And what about you? Would you like some pie or something? 
I feel the brother to my right stiffen. What's that supposed to mean? The mean one shouts, uncoiling from the bar and slapping two baby soft hands on the counters. John, relax, the other one says. Relax? This bitch just called me fat. I did no such thing, I say, and then my voice is stopped dead in my throat. Out of nowhere, the blue-shirted man appears between the two young men. He puts a hand on John's shoulder, leans in, and whispers something in his ear. What's the big idea, the other brother says, and the blue-shirted man presses an index finger into his forehead. The nice brother flops back into his seat with a blank look on his face like he's sleeping with his eyes open. I'm about to turn and get the cook when the creepy guy tilts his head in that weird way and says, you'll have to forgive my friend here. He's liable to act a bit rude when he hasn't eaten. Isn't that right, John? He takes the hand that's on John's shoulder, places it on top of John's head, and nods it forward and back, forward and back. John just stares with a blank look identical to his brother's. Why don't you do us all a favor and go back and start that order? I promise you'll see a changed man when you come back. Where are you going to say something? I think that this might be the creepy man. Oh, this is absolutely the mystery man, but he, right. um, but this is the past. Yeah. This is the well, past. This is Alzheimer's dad and his brother. This is the night they buy the pie and poison the people in the town. This is also why, like, is, is it the same mystery man? Absolutely. Okay. He has not changed. Okay. In the last 40 years. Yeah. It's very Randall Flagg Stephen King. Mister, I don't know you from Adam, but you shouldn't be ah. But my name is Mr. Deva, he says, a smile widening on his face. But my friends call me Kane. That's a bit on the nose. Okay, Kane, I don't... His eyes flare. The creases in his cheeks create mile-long ridges. I said my friends call me Kane. Listen, mister, whoever the hell you are, that man ain't the nicest in the diner, but it don't mean you need to be doing some kind of voodoo on these young boys. The man in the blue shirt cackles. His mouth opens and seems to melt upwards into his eyes. Is there a problem? The man from the corner booth has come up to the counter. He's long and lanky and looks much older than he probably is. He tries to inflate his chest, because if there is, his voice trails off as Mr. Deva uses his hand to turn John's head to face the newcomer. No problems, at least not currently, the creepy man says, using his free hand to work John's jaw like a puppeteer. But give me a few minutes, and I'll see what I can stir up. The smile grows even more. My stomach turns in on itself, and I feel my palms sweating. My knees weak, my arms are heavy. There's a clang at the front of the diner as the door swings open. I look up briefly to see my husband standing a few feet away. Everything okay, Reba? Francis asks. Mr. Dave gives Francis a long appraisal, and then in an instant, his smile is gone. He turns back to John, places something in his breast pocket, and whispers into his ear. The lights flicker deep inside John's eyes. I was just leaving.
Mr. Davis says to Francis. Good, the newlywed says, stepping in front of Francis. Mr. Davis turns towards the back table and yells, Greta, we are no longer welcome in this fine establishment. He winks at the brunettes. Might be time we moved along. The one named Greta stands to leave as the other crosses her arms at the table. But Daddy, she pouts, will be back. Wait, wait. Yeah. So Greta's as old. Well, it makes sense. Greta's as old as John now. Or his brother. The both of them, I suppose. Mm. Um, no, this is the dad. How was how is Greta alive if the dad is young well, unless he already had his kids? That's an in, that's interesting, which is why I had to stop. But daddy, she pouts, will be back, Greta says and pats her arm. That's right, dear, Mr. Davis says. Listen to your mother. He looks back at me, his stare makes my eyes water. We'll definitely be back. The three walk out into the parking lot. No one in the diner makes a sound until the door clangs shut again. What was that all about? Francis asks. I don't know. Burgers sound fine, the brother on the right says suddenly. He's shaking his head like there are cobwebs in his eyes. Are you okay? I ask. He grins sheepishly. Of course. Long day. Must have nodded off for a bit. Sorry about that. His brother John looks up from his crossed arms. There's something off about his eyes. You know what? He says loud enough for everyone to hear. I feel like an ass for the way I acted. Let me buy everyone a slice of pie. Sounds good to me, the lanky newlywed says and offers John his hand. I'm Ian. John shakes with a weak grip and looks at me. Can you put that order in for the burgers first? And then almost painfully adds... Please? I say, of course, and write down the order. I disappear into the back for a minute to give their order to the cook, and when I come back out, Ian is back in the booth with his wife, John is brewed into his arms again, and Francis is deep in conversation with the nicer brother. Francis looks up and smiles at me. Did you know Cal here laid the brick on the Reynolds new place? I shake my head no, and Francis pokes Cal on the shoulder. Tell Reba what you guys put in. Go ahead, tell her. A furnace, he says with slight embarrassment. That's interesting, I lie. Tell her what kind of furnace, Francis says. It's, uh, um, it's... We'll take that pie now, John interrupts. Cal glares at him, but John keeps staring into his arms. Are you gonna wait for your burgers? I ask. Nope. Strawberry. The one on the top. He points to the carousel without looking. I walk over to it and pull open the door, but before I do, I wipe off a few fingerprints on the glass. Strawberry it is, I say, taking it out of the case and laying it on the counter. Who wants a piece? I do, Ian's wife says from the booth. None for me, thank you, says Ian, allergic to strawberries. John turns his head and glowers at him. How about you, Doc? I ask the dentist, who seems completely absorbed by the newspaper. He shakes his head no. I cut out one piece and take it over to the booth. Here you go, honey, I say, and the young girl takes the plate from my hands. Ah, hell, 
I can't pass up free pie, I hear Francis say behind me. When I turned around, he's got half a plate full of strawberries and crust. That's it, John shouts. A man offers up free food and you all turn it down? What about you? He turns on his brother. Easy, John. I'll have a piece after the burgers. No, you have to eat it now, John yells. Too late, says Francis in a spray of crumbs. Pie's gone. With that, John stands up from his bar stool and storms out of the building. I guess we'll be taking those burgers to go, Cal says to me. Francis pulls me aside and says, I'm going to use the phone outside and check on Sammy and Bobby. They were starting to fuss when I left. I say okay and watch him leave. I'm just about to walk into the back to box up the order when I hear a wet cough from the corner booth. There's silence again and then another cough, this one sounding like someone's about to get sick. I turn and look and see Ian facing me in the booth. His face is a mask of panic. There's another cough and then a foundation of white, frothy vomit cascades across the table and into his lap. Help? The words are barely out of his mouth and I'm at the table. His wife has turned blue. She's choking on her own vomit at the same time. She's convulsing and writhing on her side in the booth. I try to pull her upright, but she twists and squirms out of my arms. Her eyes are rolled up to the back of her head, and a steady stream of blood is pouring from the corner of her mouth. Doc, help! I scream. The little man runs over, sees the commotion, and raises his hands. I can't, he says. I'm only a dentist. <laughs> I look over to the table and out the window for Francis, but don't see him. I turn back to Cal, but he's staring back and forth from the booth to the door and sobbing. I don't know what to do! I scream. I put two fingers into the woman's mouth and fish around looking for any food that may be caught. Her throat spasms and a flood of blood and bile pour out onto my chest. She kicks back away from me and her head hits the window with a loud crack. I back away, nearly dripping over the dentist. On the other side of the window stand the three people from earlier. All of them tilt their heads and smile. The man in the blue shirt leans forward and licks the glass. I... I think she's dead, whimpers Ian. I look down, and his wife is not moving. The dentist is crying beside me. Cal is gone. And Francis... Oh my god. I say, and run to the parking lot. Francis is dead! So that one, that one's interesting because, uh... Yeah, Greta, Greta is old. Greta's old enough to be, um... So Cal is in, Cal's in the diner, unknowingly sitting next to his, uh, demon sister. Or at least, uh... I don't know, incensed sister. Maybe she's under some spell of the, uh... Of, of mystery man but otherwise yeah. you know it's hard it's hard to see what else you know they have a daughter who's the daughter right like I mean it's is, also she kind fit? of um sort of like the the pregnant mom you know like we think that her spawn might be a gremlin or a baby but that's not necessarily of her knowing like yes she is a pawn in this that doesn't mean she knows she's a pawn Oh, absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. 
I um There's a there's a lot of questions. So that one definitely takes place in the past, mm-hmm. but it's after Junior and before Alzheimer's. So it's it's somewhere in the vague in the vague past of shitty shit that happened. Is it fucked up that I'm probably going to go to the diner after this and get a piece of pie? No, I love pie. Pie's oh. great. Q is for queen. The thing they get wrong in, like, every movie that is that the montage where the dorky girl gets her hair done, slaps on some makeup, slips into an absolute perfect dress, and then, boom, she's homecoming queen, and everyone wants to be her friend. What they don't show is the hours of her convincing her dad to not buy the dress that's on clearance because, Christ, it's on sale because no one actually wants it. Or, when she finally gets to try on a dress that she actually likes, her dad's all like, No, Tara, it's too short. You can't show that much boobies. Boobies? I'm 17. That's practically old enough to, like, vote and smoke and shoot guns. I thought this was America. This is America. (laughs) Don't catch me slipping up. Then... When I finally get a dress that's a compromise between 16 Candles and Shrek 2, he takes me to the counter at some discount mall department store to an old grandma who wants to give me a facial. But I can't stop laughing because she constantly (laughs) says the word facial. And then, the movies want you to believe that the girl sits in her huge walk-in closet, surrounded by candles, and friends as she waits for her date to ring the doorbell with roses. But in reality, I'm constantly running from a little terror and his paintball gun, and I'm covered in sweat, and then I have to sit in the back seat with my brother and my date in my dad's cop car as he drives under the speed limit to the school where he's going to the chaperone. God. I mean, that wasn't the worst thing that happened, right? It's not like the night turned into some, some cheesy carry ripoff. No pig's blood, not telekinesis, although that would have been pretty awesome. And when Derek and Steven decided to go at it, well, it was... I don't know. It was just... sad. Chad showed up three minutes early, and I could see him out on my front window, checking his teeth in the rearview mirror and smelling his breath. It was cute. I had been with him at the hospital after the game, so the crutches didn't surprise me. But there was a huge red welt that stretched from under his jaw and up his chin. I knew he wouldn't tell me what happened. But he knew I wouldn't ask. After that day at the cabin, we both just uh, agreed to ignore, ignore it. The best we... He teetered on ignore one leg. the best we could. Yeah. Uh, he teetered on one leg, rang my doorbell, and was promptly shot in the ass with a blue paintball. Tyler! My dad yelled. Not in the house! But he's outside! My little brother protested, behind a mask he probably wouldn't fit into for another three years. He's, um, got a point, sir, Chad said, rubbing one cheek, extending a blue hand to my father. My dad just looked at him and then shouted up the stairs, Tara, your friend's here! 
I'm right here, Dad. I said from behind the front room curtain. Jeez. I tried to look elegant and sexy as I walked into the foyer, but failed at both as I tripped over an errant boot and crashed into Chad's chest. We toppled over, laughed, and then immediately blushed as we realized there was now a huge blue handprint on my right boot. Car. Now. My dad barked. I'm pretty sure his hand went to his hip. If his gun were there, I might have been going stag that night. We sat in the back seat the entire way to the school, listening to my dad's radio chirp codes and numbers and whispers of all the fun or trouble that the rest of the town was getting into. Tyler sat between us doing his best Darth Vader impression, and every once in a while I'd catch Chad checking me out just to see him be caught by my dad in the rearview mirror. He'd turn bright red and stare out the window, like somehow this shitty town was interesting again. We got to the dance and had to wait until Officer Dad opened the back doors for us for your protection, he said as he kissed my cheek. It's weird how someone can be so overprotective yet so, I don't know, heart melty at the same time. It's like he's some P.I. out of a Scorsese movie, or the perfect family dad out of an overly colorized Disney cartoon. It's impossible to be mad at him. But it's not impossible to get him mad at me. It's like the ingrained skill of every high school girl. And I knew without looking that as soon as I grabbed Chad's hand and led him hobbling awkwardly on crutches into the school's gymnasium, which, by the way, was decked out in a nautical theme, barf, that my dad would be turning fifty shades of angry. So we're in the gym, standing around the, the free-throw line, and there's this awful DJ playing remixes of the songs you'd hear on the pop station. And, of course, every girl is dancing around the center court Bobcat logo like they accidentally left their pole at home. This is dumb, I said to Chad. He nods. Of course he nods. He didn't actually hear me. With the amount of flesh being flashed in front of him by girls without daddies, all the blood has left his brain. At least he's not drooling, like Derek. And Derek is practically dry-humping the air. Chad sees him and waves. Derek waves back and then does some... Weird spin robot dance walk to maneuver his way towards us. How's the leg? It's fine. Chad lies. Put some weight on it. His face instantly turns white with pain. Derek shoots me a look of concern. Let's go sit down and watch the... I motion towards the girls doing what could only be a quite accurate portrayal of a backhoe mimicking a drunk mule. Whatever the hell that is. We sit and point and laugh at the random moment between songs by former Disney starlets. Chad leans in and kisses my cheek. Now I'm thinking he's all heart melty too and I'm comparing him to my father in a non-I-need-therapy sort of way while 50 girls in 50 dresses designed for 50 other girls of a completely different shape and size grinding and thrusting to a song about booties and popping. I give Chad my best Molly Ringwald pout 
he reciprocates with a partially veiled grimace as the welt on his neck seems to expand and throb. The DJ keeps playing music used in foreign countries as a torture device, and overall it is the most perfect evening. And then the lights go out. Now, I know what you're thinking. Lights go out means something creepy is going to happen. And you're, you're kind of right. I mean, if you've ever seen a parade of clowns dressed in pink and crimson retro dresses dancing in a slow strobe to a deep wob 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 of whatever the hell techno song is popular now, then you know it can be a little unsettling. But this was pretty funny. Contorted faces of dance-induced faux-gasms frozen with each flashing light. Some girl even decided to try and battle dance, but it just looked like she was stirring a bowl of really sticky red batter. Uh, I was laughing until a little bit of mascara I had left for my early afternoon facial started to run down my cheeks. Then I thought of the word facial and laughed some more. I must have sounded like a dying ox, because Derek left, and when I could finally catch my breath, Chad was looking at me with obvious worry. You know, when Dumbo was hallucinating, I tried to shout to him over a disjointed breakbeat. I pointed at the dance floor. That. I laughed some more. Are you okay? He shouts back to me, pointing at my face. The welt on the side of his neck seems to glisten a faint maroon. I'm fine, I yell. I point at the dance floor. They're just ridic- The words freezes like a wet lump in my throat. Standing in the middle of the basketball court, parting the waves of oblivious dancers like a twisted Moses and a naked person wearing a black mask. He's dripping in liquid. And then the lights are out again. And just like that, he's gone. Did you see that? I yell. What? Chad follows my finger out to a sea of classmates. The strobe continues to flash. Dumbo? What? No, not... Uh, never mind. I shake my head. Tara, are you okay? Your face is... It's what? I ask and bring my fingers to my cheek. It's just mascara. I was laughing so hard I was crying. I looked at my fingers. They're red. My head spins back around to the dance floor. The music has sped up and everyone is in a sort of hopping frenzy. Hands shoot every which way as the strobe continues to flare every half second. Sitting on the floor, in the middle of all, is a naked man. A naked man in a mask. A naked man in a mask covered in blood and staring at me. Holy shit! I hear Chad say, is that? I don't know. And then the screaming starts. In mid-dance, someone bumps into him, looks down, and screams. Someone else follows the path of the scream and comes up on the naked man as well, and they scream. The chain reaction explodes out from the center of the entire gym in a cacophony of dance music and terror. Everyone runs in the opposite direction of everyone else, which leads to a dozen shattered noses and quite a few tangled dresses and broken heels. 
the man stands, points something small and silver at us, and then runs through the crowd towards the locker room. I go to chase him, but Chad grabs my hand. Stop, he yells. Let him go. The DJ seems to catch on to the friendly and cuts the music, but leaves on the stroke. The room subsides into a gentle roar of whimpers and cries and the occasional wail. Then the main door swings open, and overhead lights flip on the screams erupt once again. The rafters are lined with rope. Six ropes cross the gym horizontally. Each one has eleven knots. Tied to each knot are the tails of cats whose skin had been pulled from the base of the tail out over the tops of their head. Puddles of brown and blood dot the floor directly below each animal. I look up to a calico dangling 15 feet above me. Its blood drips down, leaving a ringed crown on my head. Terra! My father screams from the door. I run to him, burying my face in his chest. Chad hobbles after me. Before he can reach us, my dad points a finger at him. Stop! He says, you have a metric shit ton of explaining to do. I, I, I don't understand, Chad stammers. My father gently moves me to the side and grabs Chad by the back of the neck and practically drags him out into the hallway. What happened in there? So somebody strung up a bunch of dead cats, Dad, I try to intervene. There was some naked guy. I couldn't tell who it was. He pushes Chad up against a wall. His crutches flop to the floor. Where's the helmet? He asks, pushing a deep finger into Chad's chest. Helmet? The one you stole from Tyler. I look down to the floor and see my baby brother whimpering against the floor. Ty? I ask him. Are you okay? He shakes his head no and says yes. What happened? He points a shaky finger at Chad. He grabbed my helmet off my head while Daddy was in the bathroom. I looked at him. My heart breaks, and then I look at my dad. But that's impossible. Chad was with me the whole time. The the guy in the gym, Chad standers and points to the gym. He, he, he had a helmet on. My dad pushes his finger deeper into Chad's chest. I can hear the knuckles crack. He looks at me and I nod. That doesn't mean you didn't steal. How did you get your hand blue again? Tyler asks, rubbing a tear from his eye with the back of his sleeve. When you took my helmet, it wasn't blue. I thought you washed the paint off. Chad's mouth drops, my father's eyes widen, and the skin on the back of my neck dances. Stephen, Chad hisses, as if on cue, Stephen and Derek topple into the school fighting and cussing and beating on each other. We're getting more into the action, more into the story. Yeah. This is, um, you know, Derek's still alive, so this is before break-in, but after... Fuck, I don't even remember what it was called. Uh, with the... The, <laughs> the window, the tapping. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember, we just read it 20 minutes ago. Oh, shit. So it was after that, 
Because they were talking about prom over the mm-hmm. phone. Chad was. Anyway, I think we should read uh, just just one more before we call it quits. Yeah. So this is going to be the last one tonight. It's ours for radio. Did you hear that? He grunts from the driver's seat. His eye slits to the early morning sun dripping over to the horizon onto crackled blacktop. I rest my head against the passenger window as Dio whispers through the speakers, Don't write in starlight, cause the words may come out real, you're alone. I blink and shift in my seat, my back still aches from Friday's job, and today came much faster than I'd wanted, an entire weekend gone before I had a chance to do anything. I could have driven to Louisiana and back, I say to myself. Why would you want to do that? He reaches over my lap, fumbles through the glove box, and pulls out a pair of battered sunglasses. A wrinkled picture of a teenage couple hugging in front of an old movie theater falls to the floor. I pick it up and push it out into the crease. Because Pantera was playing the roadhouse, and it's the closest they're going to get to home. He shakes his head. I don't get you in that glam shit, he says with a laugh. The smile on his face looks exactly like the boy in the picture, same glasses and everything, just older. This, he taps the cassette player, this right here, man, Dio is the future. In a few years, no one's going to be talking about that other stuff. I want to argue that Terry Glaze's vocals are just as good as Dio's, but then Vivian Campbell's solo kicks in, and I find myself nodding my head in silence. Don't dream of women. I don't know this fucking song, so it's not helping. Because they only bring you down, you'll die alone. It was pretty good. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. What's up with your girl? I blurt out, surprising myself. Wife, he corrects me. Fine, what's up with your wife? The last word falls out of my mouth like a hot stone. What do you mean? Well, you sure as hell aren't talking my ear off this morning, and you're listening to the soft stuff. I point to the radio as Dio belts out, Hey you, you know me, you've touched me, I'm real, I comfort you. (laughs) My head feels foggy for a second, but I shake it away. I'm just tired, that's all, it was a long weekend. I'm glad I don't know what song this is or I would feel obligated to sing. Well look at you, brother, finally letting that hair down. I playfully punch his arm and the car swerves over the yellow line. He turns and glares at me. For a second, I see my reflection in his sunglasses. My face is distorted into a funhouse mirror's smile. I picked up an extra shift, John. I needed the cash. He notices the picture in my hand and snatches it away. He steers the car away with his knee as he takes a long look and pushes the photo into the visor. She's pregnant. So this is before Junior. Yeah. But after. After the pie. You think? They're still talking. Because in Alzheimer's, that's when when they stop talking is the pie. Oh, it wasn't. That's right. Good point. So how the fuck is Greta around? Unless Greta is... Immortal. Or something's going on because the time doesn't match up. Yeah. Or like... (sighs) Oh! (laughs) Ronnie James Dio punctuates the silence with, And I... I'm darkness, I'm anger, I'm pain. I am master, you're not alone with me. Oh, that's it? You're gonna be an uncle and all you've got is oh? You should be excited. I am. I lie. It's just, 
A white deer walks into the road ahead of us, and Cal slams onto the brakes. I have to put my hands on the dashboard to keep from sliding into the windshield. The deer doesn't flinch, it just stands backlit by a new sun and tilts its head like it's studying us. There's no one else on the road, and the smell of hot brakes and smoking rubber seeps through the car's vents. The world seems to freeze like the last second of an ending dream as Vivian Campbell breaks into another solo. It's cut short as Cal turns off the car and kicks open the door. I rub my eyes with the back of my hands and then look out at the glass. Just flash your lights, it'll go away. I say, Cal turns halfway in his seat and gives me a weird studying look and then pulls himself out of the car. He walks the ten steps it takes to get to the deer and then stops. The white buck doesn't move. It stands at nearly eye level with Cal and stares past him towards me. Large antlers cast forked shadows the reach like crooked branches over the hood of the car. Cal turns and waves me to come over. The radio clicks on. Protect your soul, Dio sings. Kill them all. It clicks back off. I blink away the fog again and swing my door open. Rusty hinges squeak in an old suspension sighs in relief as I stand up. Help me with this, he says, looking back at the animal. Help you? I'm five feet away now. Just clap your hands, it'll run off. He gives me that queer look again. I take a few more steps and then stop a yard behind him. The buck glimmers in the sunlight. White hair twitches and expands over muscles that roll in corded waves over the shoulders. The deer shuffles its front feet on the back top, one after another, then drags its right foot back. Click, click, scratch. The sound echoes across the empty road. It repeats the movement. Is it... Is it dancing? I ask. What is wrong with you? Cal asks. He crouches down and stares at the deer's hooves as it continues to dance. Who would do this? What would do this? He rubs a calloused hand across a stubbled chin. I hear the radio click on behind us. There's something wrong with your car, I start to say, but the fog seeps in like brake smoke through air vents. Cal looks up at me, stands, and has his arms around my shoulder, turning me away. My fault, he says. He shouldn't have to see things like this. The fog is making me dizzy. Nausea washes over me and I vomit onto the road, leaving a wet splatter over two nearly identical shadows. I hear the car's radio click off. Now I'm embarrassed and pushing him away. Must still be hungover. I lie and wipe my mouth with the bottom of my shirt. I force a smile, but it feels twisted and wrong. See things like what? I ask. Albino deer ain't nothing new. Albino deer? What the hell are you talking about? That, I say, and turn backwards towards the white buck, and it's gone. In its place are maggot-infested remains of a charred turkey vulture. Its wings spread outward like an ashen angel as its red head stares into the cloudless sky. A long serrated line bisects the center. Guts and organs spill out onto the street. One long cable of intestines wraps around the sole of my shoe. I feel the bile rolling over itself in my throat. What? What is? I stammer and back away. The radio behind me clicks on, and I swear 
The bird's blue and brown eyes blink at me as Dio screams for me to run! Run! So he's definitely a shapeshifter. He he has powers. He's Kane. Yeah. He is Kane. He is the devil of the brothers of the first children of man. But he also, he made himself, uh, at the dance, he made himself look like to steal a mask. Stephen. Ste- Stephen and Chad. Yeah, he made himself look like Chad to steal the mask. I don't know why. Or he has a power over Stephen. There's something going on between Stephen and uh, and Derek. So I don't know what's... We haven't... The only we've heard of Stephen is that he's kind of a dickhead from... uh, One of the girls. From from one of the twins at the K is for Keg. But now that we know that there's a picture of either Stephen or Chad... That was in the house, because apparently they look very similar. Mm-hmm. It's a picture of one of them. So there's something going on with one of them. Maybe um, maybe Chad is decomposing so that Steven can become possessed and become, like, Mystery Man's new child. Maybe yeah. that's how he does things. Okay. I don't know. There's some kind of weird magic going on. Yeah. Um, and he clearly has a thing for twins. Yeah. It's just, there's always, a, like, I feel like there's a connection that he can just infiltrate a little bit easier. I'm now trying to figure out the purpose, like, what what was the fucking purpose of ours for radio? That John was losing his shit after, yeah. P, is, after P is for Pie? Or was this before P is for Pie? That, that's like, it's so hard to... Yeah. We now know that announcing the pregnancy and having the baby... We're probably both before P is for Pi. I mean, this is the first time that the uh, mystery man has imitated an animal. So he yeah, might also I'm... be the gremlin. Like, we're like, oh, oh he brought true. the gremlin. That's he true. might be the gremlin. He might be the gremlin. Yeah. He might be the monster that, that we keep reading about. That, yeah. that chased the twins out of the burnt house, you know. Um, that's a very, that's a solid fucking point, actually. I'm interested to see how this concludes itself. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, we, um, we're we starting up with S next time, so I know there's a two-parter in there, so it's like SS or like S-T-T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z. We got our work cut out for us next time. Yeah. But um, hopefully we can just, uh, hopefully we, we can do it like next week or something and just sit down and fucking break into it real quick. Yeah. Um, cause I'm excited to see how this is going to wrap up. Like I'm, I'm asking a lot of questions, but I'm, I'm just hoping to God that S through Z answers some yeah. of the questions. At least most of them. So yeah, it doesn't I, have to I answer every question. But. No, but it should answer the big ones. Like, you know, uh, what is it? Or what's the fucking purpose? Yeah. You know, why... why Whether is it's demon or alien Kane, or... Kane comes to this town, why? Is question... Most important question, one. Mr. Davo, which is a stupid fucking name. I mean, I'm, I'm even okay with not knowing why. <laughs> I want Like, it can be why. for the sake of destruction. I'm fine with that. Sure, I guess, as long as I I, guess evil can just be inherently yeah, like, evil. As long as I know, like, okay, it's a demon... This demon just goes around and does this to different towns. Yeah. You know, like, they were unlucky. That could be the reason. Very storm of the century of it. Um, yeah, I guess if Cain is just, you know, the evil, uh, the brother, the brother cast out 
you know, who kills his brother, uh, Abel, you know, just forever. Oh, twins, Cain and Abel. Okay. Cain and Abel. Okay. So one of the twins is destined to kill the other. Yeah. Is that the thing? Ooh. So maybe that's what's happening between Stephen and Chad, and maybe that's what happened between John and Cal. Yeah, and then the, and the then boy and maybe the girl that's were separated. Why, maybe that's why Greta was taken away, because it wasn't like a twin in the in the straight sense. It was a biological one. Yeah. Um, in the gender sense. Um, very interesting, that revelation there. Um the fascination of twins. That also brings up uh, Farah and Katie, or Farah Fawcett, yeah, whoever the fuck, yeah. whoever the fuck those twins were. Because they were, um, yeah, certainly has, around the situation. He has an obsession with twins. This uh, this Kane Davo guy, Kane mm-hmm. Davo, Kane Davo. Do you think that's like a anagram? Do you think? Uh, or something, you think we could take that apart and create another word out of it or something? I like, mean, I'm... Devil man. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm certainly under the assumption that <laughs> we could find something that is... is uh, I'll, run oh. it, I'll run it through a machine later to see if it comes out as anything. Actually, yeah. why do it later when I could do it right now on my phone? Um, what's the Tom Riddle thing called? Um, Tom not anagrams. Riddle. It's not an anagram. That was a bad word. Um... I was just watching an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they're talking about crosswords and and they do this. It is an anagram. Okay, okay. Anagram. So, anagram machine. Anagram. Solver. Machine. Internet anagram server. I rearrange words. Yeah, let's do, uh, let's do Kane, Davo, and see what comes up. The word avoidance. I mean, maybe... Avian code. Avian is bird, right? Aviary. Yeah. He did uh, just appear as a vulture. Yeah, and also the moths. Um, um, yeah. Deacon. It's a word for the yeah, priest yeah. in the church. Acid coda acne cane ocean canoe. I mean, I think we're also probably reading into this like. I know, but I yeah. like it. Yeah. Kane Devo means anything. <laughs> cave and do I. Cave ad I know. Cave ad I on. Ace van do I. That's fun. Yeah. I, I like it. <laughs> I also want to know if Kane Devo comes up at all anywhere. No. Apparently, a Devo is something for cars. Oh. Yeah. Cain and Abel Genesis. Interesting. What is the meaning of the word Cain? Murderer. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Self-explanatory. Yeah. Oh, that's fun, though. I'm a, I'm a fan of where it's going. Um, I just hope it doesn't fucking blow its load before I get to fucking climax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't... I don't usually put out for my stories, but I'm hoping that I'm satisfied <laughs> by the end of this one. Uh, what are what are your thoughts? Do you have any loose thoughts? 
on today's episode of Lots of Pasta. I never introduced you, so let's get one. Oh, let's yeah. Get, let's get one. Sure. You should know. This is episode 123. You should know who I'm here with. Where am I? Yeah. He's here, and he's gone. In the blink of an eye, he's at your window. He's looking, and he's tapping, because he smells that garuga mesh in there that you crumbling up with your fingertips and tossing into a pipe. He smells that shit, and you know what he says? He says, hey, can I come in? Yeah. <laughs> and then he says... Instead of a blue eye and a, and a brown eye, it's a, it's a green eye and then a, a, a greener eye. <laughs> I was going to say... <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Oh, first he says, "Can I get some of that?" Then he says, "Where am I?" And then he puts on a pair of sunglasses and uh, floats floats away while listening to Rodney James Dio. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly something that I have done before. <laughs> oh, it's just a wonderful mental image. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that was uh, that was lots of pasta episode one twenty three. This is what is ABCs part three. Um, We're we'll, getting close. We'll see you. We'll see you in. Uh, I don't know what number it is next, but it's already planned, so it's gonna happen in part four. We'll f- we'll see you then, fuckers. <laughs> Nine of the D.